Hello, friends. Welcome to the Restoring Christianity podcast. If this is your first time joining us, I'm Alina Van Dyke, your podcast hostess. In a time when the heart of the Lord is often misrepresented, the Restoring Christianity podcast was birthed to extend an invitation for believers in Jesus Christ to wholeheartedly love and obey the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and reconstruct a healthy, deep, and meaningful relationship with Jesus. It is my goal to teach and bring in guest speakers who address real issues with humility and vulnerability and bring balance, clarity, and truth to those of you who want to seek the Lord in spirit and in truth. Before we start today, uh, there's a few upcoming events I'd like to invite you to. And I just want to remind everybody that you can always go to PrayInTheDesert.com and look at our events calendar in order to see what's coming up. But starting this Sunday, May 7th, very, very, very soon, we have signed up to be one of the Isaiah 62 Fast Hubs. So you can go to Isaiah62Fast.com and check everything out there. You can also go to PrayInTheDesert.com and it'll link you and you'll see a video by Mike Bickle and just how many, many, many intercessors around the world have gathered to pray for Israel. And this is a really important time to be praying for them with everything that's happening in the Middle East. So many Gentile believers are coming together in order to pray for them, lift them up in prayer, and pray Isaiah 62 over them. Um, Our group here in New Mexico is going to have a couple meetings live in person, and we're going to be meeting at noon most days on Zoom. So if if you're able to just attend the Zoom meetings and you can you know, take a break at lunch, come pray with us, come listen in even while you're eating lunch or something and just jump in for five minutes and pray, just join us in prayer. If you can be with us, um, you know, that would be wonderful. No pressure. Um, but if you also can join us in person, like I said, we're going to have a couple in-person events. We're trying to figure out an event for Pentecost, um, some different things that are coming up this month in May. So again, this is a 21-day fast. It is from May 7th to May 28th. The request of um, those that have coordinated it at Isaiah 62 fast.com are asking for at least two or three believers to come together for an hour every day and pray for Israel. So you can join us doing that and um, to consider fasting in whatever way you feel led. So some people are doing a full fast. Some people are doing a Daniel fast. Some people are just giving up coffee, different things like that. So as you feel led, whether it's to fast social media or whatever, um, please pray about how you can fast and take part in this. Now today, you saw that the podcast was titled Praying Into Prophecy. And one of the things that has really been on my heart recently is where the spirit of prophecy comes from and what we do with it after we receive a prophetic word. And so I just want to dig into this a little bit, give you some um, just revelation about what the Lord has revealed to me and what it says in his word. And then... We're going to pray like we always do at the end in order to pray those prophecies or those promises of the Lord into being. So since it is Pentecost month, let's start with what Peter said at Pentecost. So we're going to go to Acts 2 where he is quoting Joel 2. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, some people believe that the Holy Spirit only poured out at that time and that the gifts and miracles and prophetic spirit are not for today, but were just for a short season when the apostles were here. I personally do not believe that. And the reason why is because of my own personal experience and different ways that I've encountered the Holy Spirit. But also... 
I believe based on the scripture that it is the spirit that reveals to us the testimony of Jesus and that it's the spirit of prophecy that's the testimony of Jesus. That in order for us to come into salvation and have the spirit of revelation come upon us to know that Jesus Christ is Lord, it is the Holy Spirit that revealed that to you. In John 16, when Jesus says, I'm going away, but the spirit will come and it will reveal to you all things. That is the spirit that is still with us. So the Trinity, God, the father, Jesus, the son, the Holy spirit, that is the communal relationship between the two, the spirit that reveals truth to us. That is like the communicating force of God that gets sparked within us. This is the source of the spirit of prophecy. So in order to prophesy and say, this is the word of the Lord, we have to get that through divine revelation, which comes from the Holy Spirit. And so that brings me to this. It is intimacy with God. It is listening to the Lord and spending time with him that reveals his voice back to us to tell us the desires of his heart, to tell us what we should do or where we should go next, what next steps we should take. In prayer, we sit with the Lord and we build a relationship and we build intimacy with him. And then he reveals through the Holy Spirit back to us what it is that his plan is for us, what is best, um, what direction we should go in. And this is where today prophecy can get so twisted or messed up and um, confusing for people. One is that if we're not a clean vessel ourselves, we can mistake and misunderstand the Lord. And so it says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, which means that a prophet can mishear. They can misinterpret. We can hear something from the Lord and because of grief or because of a current struggle or because of sin, interpret wrongly. And so, for example, in the Old Testament, there were many different kinds of prophets. And there's many stories in the Old Testament where the prophets were used intentionally to lie and deceive kings or manipulate situations. So sometimes, because the spirit in a person is wicked or evil and is not being led by the Holy Spirit and by the Lord, they can speak what is actually not the word of God, but instead a manipulative word that would mislead or or influence somebody in a specific way. So sometimes it's beautiful that the Lord uses strangers in order to prophesy over people. And that actually is very biblical. In the New Testament, you have Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 talking about the importance of prophecy so that unbelievers and outsiders will be convicted because their inner secrets of their heart are disclosed through the spirit of prophecy. And so in other words, when the Lord reveals a secret, when the Lord reveals something that is hidden and dear to us through a prophetic voice, then it confirms to the recipient that God sees them, that God hears them, that God knows what's going on in their life, and that he wants to speak into it. So for example, I was praying over a girl once and I gave her this prophetic word about safety and security and about how the Lord was aware of what she had and what she didn't have and was watching over her. And, um, and I don't, I mean, I genuinely don't remember the details, but I know that it was specifically about protecting her things. And probably an hour later, the friend of hers walked up to me and said, I just have to tell you the word that you gave her was spot on because last night, like somebody broke into her car, but nothing was stolen. And it just seemed like thieves are coming against her very literally, but that the Lord is protecting her stuff. To her, 
It was a powerful moment to confirm that God saw her. God knew what was going on. God was watching out for her. She wasn't alone. And it may be one of those moments that she looks back on years from now and remembers, no, even though I feel alone, even though I feel unsafe right now, or even though this, I know God watches out for me. And so we never know the lesson, the long-term fruit of a moment like that when the Lord intervenes and speaks. Now, again, let's go back to me in that story for a second. And I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal or use myself as an example as if there's not billions of others that we could talk to. I am sure that we will have many, many, many more discussions about this and other prophetic voices can speak into it in the future. But I'll use that same story as an example to say that if I am not in a heart posture to be clean and to have my ears attuned to the Lord and have my eyes open to see what he's doing, then I'm going to miss it. And I could have missed the mark that day. I could have told her something um, tried to interpret what I was hearing from God and said it a different way than he did or something. And it could have missed the mark and it might not have made sense. I've heard plenty of stories. I was just talking to a gentleman the other day that he said the Lord gave him one single word, you know, not a sentence, but one single word to tell a guy. And that that single word ended up being um, a big revelation for him. The Lord works in mysterious ways and he knows exactly what each individual needs. I heard a story once of somebody praying like, God, if you're real, do this really, really weird thing. And then somebody else at the church hearing from the Lord, go up and do this really, really weird thing. And and that's happened in so many different ways. It was like dancing on stage or licking somebody's ear, no joke, um, really weird, awkward things. But because the person who heard God was open knew it was the voice of God, confirmed it in their spirit, and then went and obeyed, the Lord was able to move mightily in those situations. The Lord was able to open doors and soften hearts and create change in people's lives. So the spirit of prophecy, where we are hearing from the Holy Spirit to do something or say something to somebody specific in order to, again, reveal the secret of their heart, can be super fruitful and life-giving. And that's the confirmation that it is the Spirit, because we test it according to the fruit of it. And so that being said, if somebody walks up to you and they're like, I have the word of the Lord over your life, and they say something that makes no sense, that is really awkward, that is really weird, that even feels inappropriate, then either throw it out and just pray, Lord, I think that person was a little wacky and they might've been wrong. And if you have a word for me, send somebody else to say it again. And like, ask for him. Like he is your father. You get to ask for things and he gives good gifts. So if the person that gave it to you first made no sense, they could have been totally wacky and super off, or they could have been right, but they just kept talking or just kept adding to it. Like not being faithful to the one word and giving you a sentence. And instead they, you know, messed it up and do not receive any prophecy from anybody that does not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, came in the flesh, died on the cross, and is the way, the truth, and the life. Because Jesus warned us in Matthew 7, and I'll pull it up right now. He says in Matthew 7, starting at about 16, um, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. And so it's really important that we're aware of somebody's character, 
when they give us a word. And that's what's hard about, you know, maybe a stranger walking up to you in the store or something. It should confirm in your spirit. When when you see your spouse across the room, you know and you recognize your spouse. You're not like, hmm, is that him? Is that her? I don't know. It might be that person. That's not it. When you see your spouse, you know that you know that you know that that's your spouse across the room. And so when the Lord speaks through somebody, you're going to go, oh man, that was God. Like that revealed a secret in my heart. I know that was him. If you're uncertain, then test it and wait and don't, don't take it as the word of the Lord and let it manipulate you or be too swayed by it until it's confirmed. Because again, God is good. So if you're uncertain, he will work with you and he will confirm it with other people and you can pray about it and go, yeah, that was partly true, but there was some mixture in there or whatever. Because if the person giving it isn't a clean vessel and they're bearing bad fruit, then that word could be bad fruit. And so you want to wait and see if it's revealed. There are leaders that I've um, studied under in different seasons of my life. And one of them wisely said that he would get a prophetic word and he would kind of throw it away. Like he'd just be like, well, if it's meant to be, it's God and it'll happen. Um, And he just released things. But I'm going to also challenge us today to pray into them. And so um, if there is a word from the Lord that you heard that you believe and you know it was God and you feel confident about it, but it's like a big, scary, hairy, audacious word, um, then that requires big, scary, hairy, audacious prayers. And so we go from praying and being open to the Lord speaking to us and sitting in the quiet and, and spending time with him in the secret place in order to hear his desires and hear his will for our lives and for our cities and for our communities, because he tells us to pray for our city so that it's successful. He tells us to pray for Jerusalem. He tells us to pray and ask him for the desires of our heart. But at the same time, when he tells us something, then some things are not immediate. And so we want to pray into them and we want to ask and continue to ask and continue to contend for them. So praying turns into prophecy and then that turns into praying because the word of the Lord is about relationship. It's about communicating with him about things and having a discussion. And so the Lord can say something like, I want you to do this. And then we can start a conversation of like, okay, Lord, how, where, when, how's this going to work? Would you tell me more? And it opens up that communication of reveal to me the right way of doing this, reveal to me how to bless my neighbor, how to be a part of my church and volunteer or whatever it is that he's leading us to do. Now, after last week's podcast, um, I'm going to challenge us to think about Matthew 18 in a little bit of a different way. (laughs) Um, One, if we are in conflict with the Lord, and the Lord has challenged us and said to not take part in this sin, and he's convicted our heart, then sometimes he will send someone else with that divine word of prophecy to come and say, hey, friend, I feel like you're falling into this. You're being misled. You're going in this direction. And if we deal with it in the moment when the second person approaches us, then it's resolved. And if not, it can get bigger. Level three of Matthew 18. The other thing is that just on a very basic level, I want to say that it's really easy for us to have miscommunication with people, to misunderstand people, to misinterpret their words. And so it's really important that when we're not sure that we go back to our friend, our neighbor, our mom, our dad, whoever, and say, 
I, I, you said this, but I'm not really sure if that's what you meant and I don't want to misunderstand you and bring healthy clarity to a relationship. And we need to do the same thing with the Lord. It is really possible that we hear a word from the Lord, but then we go, well, what do you mean by that? You know, what are you saying? And I've been taught that the Lord likes to repeat himself. And I would agree with that. So if you're hearing something and you're like, I don't know if that's you or what, just if it's not you, silence the voice of the enemy. If it is you, keep saying it till I get it. Just keep telling me. And he will repeat himself. He will make things clear. You can trust him. He is good. He is faithful. He will not let you go. You are in his hands. He loves you. He's watching out for you. He knows that if your heart is seeking him, you will find him. And Proverbs 25.2 tells us that it is God's glory to conceal things, but it is the glory of kings to search them out. And so he wants us to search for him and seek him and seek his ways and seek his heart. And he will slowly reveal it and, and let it be less concealed and less concealed and less concealed because it is like this. I don't know if anybody else feels like this. I think I've said this in a previous podcast, but for me, it always feels like this scavenger hunt to try to figure it out. And so it's like you're headed in a direction and then he's like pivot and you have to move in a different direction and then pivot and you have to move in a different direction. It's like navigating a ship according to the North Star and that you have to head in the direction that you're thinking you're headed, but then the wind and the waves and everything might get you a little degree or two off to the right or left to the east or west and you have to go, okay, we're going to course correct and we're going to head this way now and, and put ourselves back on the right path. Now, even though this has been really positive, hopefully so far, the scariest verse in the Bible to me is when Jesus warns us in Matthew 7, right after the section I read, now we're down in verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And so he's saying that people on the last day, he says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do mighty works? And that Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is a really intense scripture because when the Pharisees accused Jesus of being Satan or working the demonic, he said, a house divided cannot stand. But he's also telling us here that the enemy's house will be divided and that it will work against itself. It will cast out demons and do these things and that it will not stand. Um, but I have seen that. I've seen that in my own life, that I've watched people in the non-Christian world, I'll word it like that, um, remove problems in people's lives, but only replace it with a bigger one. So it's kind of like turning to an addict and saying, "All you're asking for yourself not to be addicted to this drug anymore. No problem. I'll take that drug away. I'll take that addiction away. Instead, I'm going to make you addicted to this drug instead. And let me just trade one for the other. And that's what the enemy does, is he'll remove things only to impart something even bigger and a bigger problem. And so again, we have to go to that verse earlier that the Lord is telling us a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit and a diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. And so even for the righteous, we may fall seven times and get back up. Even in the times that we fall, 
the Lord turns all things for good for those who love him. And so he'll take even our mistakes, even our failures, even our problems, and he'll turn it for good. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't a failure. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't sin. It wasn't a problem. It just means that the Lord loves you and that he turns all things for good. And so on the enemy's side, there won't be good fruit. Things will fall apart. The wicked will fall. A prophetic word from the enemy's side will be the spirit of accusation, not the spirit of the Lord. It won't bring freedom and confidence and hope and the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, those things. Instead, it'll bring condemnation. It'll bring guilt. It'll bring shame. It'll feel like you got exposed. Those things are not of the Lord. I can always test immediately if somebody is hearing it from the Lord or hearing it from the enemy, or maybe even if it's being pushed through a filter, like maybe the Lord said it, but then again, we're not a clean vessel and that person like hears something from God, but then puts it through a negative filter and proclaims it to somebody as an accusation instead of the word of the Lord. You will know when it's accusation. If a prophetic word comes to you and somebody says something like, you're dark and broken and messed up and whatever, um, you're sinning, you're a mess, but God loves you and he's going to heal you. That's not the same thing as saying God says he wants to heal your heart and there's been a lot of pain and a lot of brokenness, but he wants to be your comforter and he wants to be with you and he's moving in your life and he's going to turn all things for good. Those are two very different words and nobody's perfect. It takes maturity. It takes intimacy with the Lord. It takes walking through probably a couple falls and mistakes um, for people to be a clean vessel, to give a clear prophetic word. And in today's world, there's so much copycat prophecy. You know, like you can follow prophets on Instagram and they are just copying the word from other prophets that are respected and well-known and rewording it and then reposting it as their word, as if they heard it from the Lord. Like there's so much fake stuff. There's so much false prophecy. There's so much twisting of things right now that you have to use caution. Like, please pray about who you follow. Please pray about, again, I say this all the time, what you behold, you become. So please pray about what voices you let in to influence you and speak, quote unquote, the word of the Lord or the direction that we're headed into. Because you want to be cautious who you listen to and who you pay attention to and who you respect. And you want to judge their fruit. Meaning, does that word that they gave draw you closer to Jesus? Or does it bring you farther away into just hype and experience and fantasy and escaping life instead of an encouraging word that helps strengthen you on the rock of Jesus Christ to move you forward and launch you into your destiny. Those are two very different things. So recapping for a second, I mean, we're a little bit different. When a word comes to you, one, you got to pray about it. Two, it's got to feel right in your spirit. And I, there are words that won't feel right. Like they're not comfortable. They don't feel fun, but the spirit should resound. It should feel like a blessing. It should feel like it was the Lord that should confirm in your spirit. 
And if the prophetic word is the testimony of Jesus, and Jesus is the word, and the word is with us, like it says in the beginning of John, then it'll confirm with scripture too. And so you can read scripture to confirm that word and make sure that it's in alignment with the word and alignment with the spirit of the Lord. And I just want to note that I recognize that some people are not feelers. So if you are the type of person that's very brain oriented and you don't feel, but you think about things a lot, then as you mull it over, it should make sense to you. At some level, I feel like the Lord knows how to speak to each one of us individually and he knows what we need, again, in order to confirm that word and feel confident that it was him. And if we don't, then we just ask. We ask for more. Three, is it the voice of the accuser or is it the heart of the Lord? And you'll know according to it being blessing or cursing. And so if there is a curse spoken over you, you are this, you are going to sin, you're going to do this versus the Lord wants to bless you and keep you. He's moving you in this direction. He says he's with you. He says he's for you. If it edifies and encourages, then it's good. All good things come from God. If it is condemnation and cursing, it is the voice of the enemy. Throw it out, baby in the bathwater, all of it. Just toss it and don't, don't even let it stick to you. Like water off a duck's back. I feel like a lot of people say to desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, because they're quoting um, Paul in 1 Corinthians. But the beginning of that verse, 1 Corinthians 14.1, is follow the way of love. That he says, pursue love. I think that's really a crucial direction. Back to the navigating ship of true north is truth, is the word of the Lord, and is love. And so if we're loving the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, if we're pursuing that violently, we talked about that in the last podcast or two podcasts ago, um, if we are wholeheartedly pursuing God in loving him with our heart, mind, body, and soul, and we're aiming to love our neighbor as ourselves, then when we give a word of the Lord or when we pray about a word that we're given or we witness someone else receiving a word, then we can put it through that filter of love and realize if it really is the word of the Lord or not. You know, when Nathan the prophet goes to David and convicts his heart and says, you have been doing wrong and you murdered Uriah and you committed adultery and you did all this stuff. He convicts him, but David is crushed and is like, I have done wrong. And it is out of love that Nathan comes to him as a brother and says, this is not okay. You are king. You have to live differently than this. Sometimes the word of the Lord will convict and it will expose something, but that is very different and out of love than it is out of again, a spirit of accusation of you're not good enough. You should have never been king because you messed up. That is not what Nathan said at all. It's like you are chosen by God and this will destroy you. Do not go down that path. Please repent, move in this direction. And so again, if we are pursuing love, then the spirit of prophecy is going to come through a vessel that is pursuing love and is speaking in love and speaking in blessing instead of speaking in cursing. And that really is the heart of the Lord to bring us to repentance out of his kindness. And I just want to say that because I feel like 
many prophecy classes and things I've been a part of have talked about how it's always edifying. It's always encouraging. You're not allowed to say anything bad. And it's true. You can't say anything out of the spirit of accusation because then it's not the Lord. But sometimes the Lord has a hard word for people. And it was probably intense for Nathan to walk in and come with boldness, with a burning in his bones to challenge David to be higher and to repent for what he had done. Now, I don't think that's a super common thing that the Lord asks us to do. And I think that that comes with maturity and time as we're really confident that we hear the voice of the Lord. You know, Nathan was known as a as a prophet of God and he had a track record of walking with the Lord and walking in that prophetic gift for a long time before he had to approach David and him and David had a good relationship and they trusted each other. So that word came out of relationship as well and not just a blanket statement from a random stranger. Um, Cause it'd be easy to accidentally curse in that situation instead of bless or take somebody off guard and go, who do you think you are? But in the relationship that they had, it was different. I feel like this kind of turned into a little 30-minute prophecy class, (laughs) so I apologize for that, Um, but maybe that's exactly what you guys needed. If that's where the Lord led me, then I'll have hope in that. Um, I really just want to say again that prophecy, the word of the Lord comes out of prayer and intimacy with Jesus. It really does come out of praying into, Lord, what is your heart for this person? What is your heart for my city What is your heart for my nation? What's your heart for me? What do you want me to do? And how do you want me to walk out my life? What is your dream for me? What can I do for you and for your kingdom? How can I glorify you with my life? And as we ask those questions and we build intimacy and relationship with him, he does draw things out in us and point at things for correction, for edification, for confidence building, for knowing our identity in him. And he'll speak. He will speak. And again, as he reveals bigger, deeper mysteries, um, things that have been hidden in darkness, then it's our job to pray about those things and to ask for his will to be done and for his dream to be made manifest on the earth and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, for his kingdom to come down. The way that we pray is just as significant to bless and not to curse. We can know that there are dark things happening in the world, that there's wickedness and people in authority that we're not happy with or whatever. And the Lord can even say, they're not following my heart. But instead of praying condemnation, which would be witchcraft or um, rebellion or hard-heartedness or just cursing flat out, which would be not the Lord's heart, we ask that the Lord would turn their hearts, that he would soften their hearts And it says that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he could be glorified in everything that happened with Israel. And that's another mystery that we don't fully understand, that some choose to harden their heart and the Lord allows them to stay in that place. But the word says that the Lord wishes that none would perish and that all would come to him. And so I do believe that if we're praying his heart, then that's what we're to pray, is that those who are walking in darkness would see a great light and would turn and have their hearts tenderized and would come to know him. So may we seek him, may we know him, fall more in love with him every day, know his character. May he awaken our hearts and open our ears and eyes so that we can 
be a cleaner vessel to speak his word and speak his truth and speak it without perversion, without misunderstanding. May we not perish for lack of knowledge, but may we come into the fullness of the knowledge of him and what he's done for us. I really will pray, even though that was my little segue half prayer, I guess. (laughs) So Lord, we come before you and I do ask all those things. I just ask that you would open our eyes to see you, that you would open our ears to hear you, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be known in us. Lord, that you would pursue us and that we would hear you clearly, that nothing would stand in the way, that no filter No twistedness, no perversion would come in the way of the things that we are hearing from you, that we would hear you clearly and not through a filter. Lord, I ask that we would be a people that pursue love first and foremost, and that we would desire spiritual gifts. We would desire prophecy. We would desire healing and signs and wonders, and that we would not be a people who believe in you but deny your power. And instead, that we would come into the knowledge of the identity and the authority that you've given us as sons and daughters of God, and that we would walk fully into holiness and purity and cleanliness so that we could be that clean vessel that carries your spirit to the ends of the earth, that we could be your voice, that we would not perish for lack of knowledge of you, but that we would come to truly, truly know you. Lord, we ask that your words and your voice, that the prophetic spirit, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us when we sit and we seek you, that you would allow us to find you. Lord, we ask that everyone listening to this would be a people who you open the doors, fling them wide in the end times and say, welcome home, good and faithful servant. And that no one listening to this would be a person who you say, you did all that in my name, but I never knew you. May we be a people that know you. And Lord, would you pour out your spirit on us? You said in Joel 2 that your sons and daughters would prophesy, that your young men would dream dreams and that your old men would see visions. And that Lord, I ask that we would, that we would have prophetic dreams, that we would see prophetic visions, that we would be filled with your spirit that we would rend our hearts and that you would come and make a home in us, that we would abide in you and abide in your spirit. Lord, I thank you for the way that you are maturing us, that you're moving us into deeper relationship with you, that you are so good and so kind and that you come to us with that same Matthew 18 spirit to reconcile any misunderstandings or miscommunications or that you just are so sweet to us in our learning, like teaching a new puppy how to live and how to be safe, teaching a child and to raise them up in the way that they should go so that they would stay in it, that you do that with us and that you are patient with us while we fumble around and we make mistakes And so, Lord, you say, your scripture says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. And so, Lord, I ask that you would give us the humility and the reverence for your word so that we would not misinterpret it, but that we would trust you in the mystery and in the unknowing and trust that you reveal things in their perfect time, in their perfect way, and that you are 
a perfect leader. Lord, I ask that you would bless and keep and make your face shine upon every listener. Give them peace in their coming and their going. May you be with them and may they worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to visit alinavandyke.com and to read my book, Return to Love, Restoring the Heart of Christianity. If you want access to exclusive content only for supporters of this ministry, please find Alina Van Dyke, all one word, on Patreon. $25 a month may not be much to you, but would make all the difference for me as we dedicate ourselves full-time to building a house of prayer in New Mexico. The best places to follow me are on Instagram and Twitter at Alina underscore Van Dyke. And if you're in New Mexico, please consider connecting with our prayer ministry at Pray in the Desert. From the bottom of my soul, thank you for listening.